This week on Mobile First, a conversation with Daniel Hall, EVP of Experience at Binley. With technology, we're, we're introduced to what seem like a lot of new problems, but they're, they're really just the same old things with new lenses on them. So I, I'm really into that. I really like when I come across a challenge that keeps me up at night for weeks on end and then finally break through. Welcome to Mobile First. You'll find bonus tools, expanded information, and key takeaways from this episode on our website, EmergeMobileFirst.com. For a quick and effective way to level up your mobile strategy, again, that's EmergeMobileFirst.com. In this episode, we explore the new approaches in technology that Daniel anticipates will come next for mobile and automotive, such as radical advances in automobile apps, connectivity in cars, transparency from automakers, and connection of cars through third-party integration. With a closer look at the new world of mobile first, one where time is the currency and mobile first is about convenience and being on the go, not reliant even on a smartphone. Daniel Hall is Vinley's EVP of experience, leading all design and front-end development for the connected car company, Vinley. Daniel is responsible for ensuring a consistent experience across the entire Vinley ecosystem. Since 2005, Daniel has worked in print and web for both product companies as well as in client services, serving such clients as ID90T, the National Geographic Society, Starbucks, Freeman, Comdata, Nintendo, and Funimation. In his spare time, Daniel writes music and plays in a band. Daniel, thank you for spending some time with us today. I'm really excited to have you here. Yeah, thanks a lot. I'm very happy to be here. Yeah. So, you know, through that intro, we have a, a really good idea of what you do. And we would like to start out with getting to know you a little bit better. So maybe tell us a little bit uh, about yourself, Daniel, and, and also uh, a little bit more about Vinley. Yeah, uh, I'd be happy to. Yeah. So I'm a designer, developer, product strategy guy. I love technology. I, I, I love new products. I love gadgets that, that come out. And I love talking about technological strategies. My wife uh, also works in technology, and I, I don't think we have the same kind of pillow talk as, as a lot of other couples. <laughs> like we, we talk about like, oh man, I was working with this client today, and the, this thing came up. And so, you know, we, we have a, a very uh, close working and professional relationship, which, which makes for some uh, interesting retrospective pillow talk conversations. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I, I love it. I love this stuff. Um, I love talking to anyone about it that, that's willing to listen to me rant about changing shifts and technology and products. Well, that's what we're here today to hear for you to rant on about all these things you're passionate about. So this is, this is that forum for you to let loose. Cool. That's great. <laughs> so, you know, this passion for gadgets and this, this technology strategy what led you to want to do this and what inspired you to pursue this? I've been working in design and web development going on 15 years now, I guess. Yeah, 15 years. I got a, a burned, uh, pirated copy of Photoshop and Dreamweaver when I was 14 years old from a friend uh, because I... I was playing music at the time and needed a, a website for my band and there weren't really the, the tools out there for 
just being able to do that. So I figured I, I got to learn how to do this. And I, I loved it. I, I was into it right away. I guess been an artistic kid, come from a artistic family. And so that was kind of a natural transition into, you know, drawing and, and whatever to making digital things. So uh, I started doing that and got really into it. You know, those were the, the early days of, of web development. And so uh, it was really exciting. There were exciting things going on. And there were shifting new ways of, of being online every, every couple of months, right? And it's, it's kind of the same thing that happened again back in 2007 when the iPhone came out. Like every day, it's, it's like new ways to put yourself out on online and new ways to create these experiences. So, uh, yeah, I, I got into that and, and started doing it and um, have more or less been doing it ever since. And so you were 14 years old. Is that what you said when you started designing your first website? Yeah, 14. Yeah, 14. I, I went to Half Price Books and bought uh, Photoshop for Dummies and Dreamweaver for Dummies. And I got a copy of Flash for Dummies uh, around the same time, uh, a little bit later. And yeah, I just would go to school and come home and work on that. And then, you know, play play shows with my really awesome high school rock band. <laughs> That's awesome. So, you, you know, you, you got into design and you fr- you're from an artistic family. And then, you know, typically in this industry, we have UI elements and then UX elements and being the EVP of experience. You know, what, what were the pivots or really the experiences through your growth that directed you more toward the experience side of things? It, it all kind of tied back to necessity of, of being in a, a band that I was trying to promote. So I needed a website and a way to convey like the music that we were trying to make and finding ways to get media out there so we could book more shows, so we could, you know, whatever, big aspirations of a, of a teenage rock star. Um, but that, that really opened a lot of doors for me. I started picking up work for other bands that needed that sort of thing that led to picking up work for record labels. Uh, and, you know, once, once you're kind of at that level, it's like, okay, there, there's a, it's a record label that has this band that's putting out a, a new album. And, you know, I, I was a couple of years older by this time, but it was the kind of heyday of Flash. And so let's see if we can make a digital music video uh, to sell more albums. And so I, I, I did a lot of that kind of work. And that's, that's really all about feeling something, right? Uh, right. Like you feel like you, you um, are part of something or uh, there's, there's this like trying to create memories, that, visual memories that go along with this album or this particular place that you were in life when you first heard it. So, yeah, that, I, I don't know that I ever would have said that I chose to go into experience design. Maybe it chose me, uh, or maybe it was maybe it was just out of out of necessity uh, for what I needed to do for this seemingly unrelated goal that that I had of of being a rock star. And so, in, in being a rock star, you know, it looks like you uh, you rocked out in the agency world for a while, and then from there you transitioned to now with Vinly. It's a it's a platform more of like a singular focus than what you typically get at an agency. So can you maybe explain what that transition was like and, and how experience 
your approach with experience design, how that's now changed and, and even how mobiles influence that? Sure. Yeah. So that was a very um, thought out move. I, I made a very concerted effort to go from agency world to product world. And that was, I don't know, three years ago or so that I moved out of the agency. And the, the big problem that I had with client services uh, was that I didn't have the time to really build something and get feedback on it and iterate, you know, the, this like process of continually making one thing better. It was just, hey, we've got six months and this is the client. This is what they're trying to solve. These are their you know, goals for, for their business. And then you handed off the work and you were done and you never knew if, if it did well or not. You made recommendations based on what you thought would work, but mm. didn't really ever have the time to, to spend with a product and, and grow it. Um, so I, I left one agency for an, another, another agency, uh, but the agency I went to was a kind of IoT client services company. They, they were a, a product-based client services company. And the approach there was, let's partner together to you as our customer. You've got an idea for what you want, but let's really be in a, innovative together and build a product and work together to support and, and release that product. So I made the move there, knowing in mind that they had the idea of uh, this kind of labs uh, concept where internally we could pitch ideas. And if any of them had any legs to stand on, they could spin off as their own company. So I thought that's what I want to do, quit my job and, and went to work there. Almost immediately, I jumped in on one of those, uh, one of those labs products. And that was, so jumped in on that. And, and basically, for those exact reasons, what if we had time to sit with the product, make some assumptions, test those out, you know, get validation, and then go back to those assumptions and see what worked and what didn't work and, and continue to improve. So that's, that's what I did. The interesting thing about this is Vinley as a product is maybe the most mobile product that exists, but it doesn't have a screen, right? It's, it's this IoT concept of things that are connected to the internet that don't actually, aren't the actual thing that you interact with. Right. Um, and that was, as a designer, uh, a, a really interesting challenge for me. And honestly, to this day, continues to be an interesting challenge for me, uh, even, even three years in at this point. Can you maybe talk through that challenge for you and, and how that's helped you, I guess, grow in your you know, profession? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Our, our product isn't, isn't something that you really... Once you, once you plug it into your car, you shouldn't need to touch it ever again, right? It just, it just works and you expect it to work. But whereas your car has these, you know, kind of head unit with your speedometer and any like lights that come on and your uh, uh, entertainment stack in, in the center, and they can surface that information of your car to you, uh, we don't have that. We, we, we don't. We won't ever have that as part of this kind of like outside technology coming in. Uh, and so what, what we had to do, what we still have to do is find ways to surface that information to 
the driver or to a fleet manager somewhere or to a service center somewhere uh, in ways that make sense. Where that becomes difficult is for the driver because we want to be very, 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 very careful about not encouraging drivers to be looking at their phones, right? Right, right. Uh, we, we know people do it. I do it all the time. <laughs> I look at my phone all the time while I'm driving. Very dangerous. I don't. That's not safe. It. Can't be saying that on the podcast. Influencing people. <laughs> uh, I think I'm legally required to say on behalf of Finley, I do not do this. Uh, but, I, I, you know, everybody does it. Right. And if we have, like, information that is relevant to you as a driver that we can surface up through a mobile app, it's very tempting to do that Uh, and very tempting to say like, oh, okay, all this stuff that you have in front of you on the road isn't cool enough. Here's this other stuff that's way better and does all these other things. That's very dangerous territory. And so what we try to do is we've made some uh, investments and some done some, some tests and research into taking that data and replacing that center console in your car uh, with, with a, a product that we, we announced uh, about a year ago at the Frankfurt Auto Show in Germany. But the other side of that is we believe that there is relevant information to you as a driver outside of sitting behind the driver, you know, sitting behind the steering wheel and with your foot on the pedal. We think there's information that's relevant outside of the car, but also plenty of relevant information to others while cars are on the road. And so what what I mean by that is, let's say you just have one car in a city connected uh, to the internet. And when that car is driving, every single second that it's driving, it's sending data about that car, your make model, the way it's performing, it's sending GPS data, and it's sending accelerometer data. So let's, let's think about what we can do with that with even just one car on the road, you can map out a city and the conditions of the roads that that one car is driving on. You can map out traffic patterns because you know that if that one car is driving down the ro- down a highway, stop and start every few feet, you don't need to know that every car is connected. You you can figure out that there's traffic there, right? And so taking that data and using it for you know, kind of larger city initiatives. There, there's, there's so much that you can, you can do with that. But also t- taking that, um, giving it back to the driver at the end of the trip and saying, hey, here's, your, here's how well you drove on this trip. Here's how much gas you used. And plotting that out over time, we think that we can change driving behavior based on information directly from how you've been driving, right? Nobody wants to hear someone tell them you're driving bad. Nobody, nobody wants to hear uh, someone and say like, man, you, you really like slam on the brakes hard. But yeah. if your car tells you that, uh, and your car can tell you that over time, I, I think that that's a much more effective way. So we're talking about user experience here in a way that there is no, potentially no screen that you're interacting with, uh, but it's like information that's coming back to you later on. And I, I think that that's a really interesting direction that hasn't really been possible before this, the relatively new breakthroughs and and cloud computing and powerful devices that are low cost that that can plug in and kind of hide away in the background. Yeah, I love that you brought this example and this is what I was really excited to dig in uh, with you about just being mobile first is uh, you know 
a lot of people think mobile first is a mobile app or a mobile responsive site. And that's not the case. And like you pointed out, it's you guys are truly a mobile first company, but not leveraging the first screen. And, right. um, and that's, and that's an interesting problem, right? But then as you pointed out, the applications to that are endless. If you really think of the possibilities of what you could use the data for, for the user on the go and mobile, a mobile user. And so, um, you know, I'm interested to uh, talk about some of the other applications that you're exploring and really even ask you why, why cars aren't smarter. Because like you said, you know, we can't be pulling out the phone and using these other devices to distract us from our focus on the road. But, you know, how do we leverage what's already in front of us to be more supportive and to be more helpful? Uh, so, you know, what is the biggest challenge with the automotive industry with adopting this, this technology and this, this way of thinking? And why aren't all cars completely smart? I think there are a couple of things here. The auto industry probably rightfully slow is is rightfully so is very slow to make changes right automobiles are really scary things right like i think about this a lot when i'm driving i'm sitting in this big like metal machine driving 80 miles an hour down the road with all these other people doing it too like this is terrifying and so a lot has to go into making sure that that is a safe thing to do. And so when you're talking about automakers, there's a at least three-year runway for somebody has an idea for something, let's evaluate it and let's write up a, a spec for this and get it through all the legal stuff and figure out the technology and then get into manufacturing of this thing and marketing and all of this, right? So you're looking at three to five years of potential for other things to advance while this is locked down. And so, you know, you buy a car today and you're looking at decisions that were made uh, in 2012, 2013, right? That's a long time ago when you're talking about tech. And I, 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 don't, I don't necessarily think that that's a bad thing. Again, this is a, there are a lot of cars out there and a lot of industries depend on automobiles working. And if you start to see like, you see this with autonomous vehicles now, right? It's big, 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 big news if one of them gets in a wreck over like 5 million miles of driving. That, right. That's like a, a big thing. And that, you know, you look at the odds of that compared to driver cars, it's not even close. There's no comparison, but right. we, we have to be very careful about that. So I think, that's, I think that's a big part of the problem. I also think that part of the problem is that cloud computing three to five years ago wasn't really there. It, there. There wasn't the infrastructure set up for this like huge amounts of data real time at the billions, trillions level and being able to process that and expose that in ways that, that made sense. And so what we're seeing happen now with companies like ours and, and, and other companies is that we can move much faster and just be an add-on to the car and bypass this system of like the brakes and transmissions and all of this stuff that you expect your car to do we can we can get around all of that and let them worry about the the real safety aspects of turning an engine on and driving barreling down the highway right and we can 
move at a faster rate with technology as it's evolving and still be able to provide that back to people in ways, honestly, that, that people expect to interact with that kind of data, be it a smartphone or, or a, uh, a tablet or a, a laptop, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's where that kind of convergence on automobile industry safety standards that we all need and technology pushing the boundaries, it, it can kind of overlap uh, right now. And, and that's what that's what we're we're all about and all what we're trying to do. So just to recap, it sounds like uh, obviously safety, huge concern, something that will always be the concern. But then it sounds like for the technology side, just the infrastructure there so that you can move at a pace. And while you were talking, I was thinking of like, you know, the evolution of the phone. And once the smartphone came to be that shell, then things really picked up with the software improvement and just making these minor tweaks as we went. And so are you feeling like the infrastructure is finally to a place that it's allowing it? And this happened recently over the last couple of years, which is why it's taken so long to advance? Or do you think that there's still some ways to go with the infrastructure to allow the speed of you know, adoption like we're, like we're wanting? Yeah, I, th- I think the tech is getting there. And I th- you're starting to see some of this stuff that, that we've, we've been in the technology circles talking about for a while making its way into newer cars. You're seeing cars that are coming off the assembly line with Wi-Fi in them, and they're, they're trying to capture this telemetry data. The issue is the segmentation in the auto industry, right? So Ford makes a new car, and I'm not picking on Ford. That's just the first name that came to my mind. They make a new car, and they have a way that they, they process and store and expose this data, right? They, they have their their proprietary way of doing that. Let's let's say Toyota does the same thing, but they do it slightly different. And so there's no standard there and there's no real incentive for competing car companies to build a standard for how they gather and um, process vehicle data while it's on the road. And so one thing that we do and that we see as being extremely important is leveling that playing field. We want to be a means for standardizing automotive information and building conventions around what you even do with this data. People talk about big data all the time. Like, we got to get data, 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 data. <laughs> well, that's great, but it doesn't mean anything if you don't have an idea of what to do with it. And so that's something that I, I think about a lot is, let's say every car that's driving down the road speaks to the internet in the same way. We've got all of this data. That's great. That's, that's a, a, huge, a huge thing to accomplish. Now, now what? Now what can we do with it? And so we, from the beginning, set out to make a, an open platform that we can guarantee to the development community, all of these cars are going to look the same when you ask about it from us. Let's now let's let's build some stuff together. So there there's some really interesting things coming out of that that we we never really expected to happen. My thought was, okay, we're gonna see a ton of like fuel tracking applications. We're gonna see a ton of trip logging things or uh, a bunch of check engine light uh, applications, which obviously those are the things that you expect out of your car. 
you expect it to like tell you how much gas you're using or if a problem comes up, what it means. And automobiles have not done a great job of keeping track of that for you or exposing that in meaningful ways. And so that's, that's kind of the low-hanging fruit. What, where it gets, starts to get really interesting is when you now have this new mobile device, right, the, the automobile, that is talking to other new internet-connected things uh, like the connected home. So totally non-automotive centralized data, but it's, it's just better location, uh, better history, better tracking of where you are and how you interact with the rest of your life. So we, we've got some pretty interesting things on connected car to connected home. Uh, so when I leave, uh, lock the door behind me, but don't set the alarm until everyone has left the house. Uh, things like that start, start to become easy to do and, and uh, meaningful. Or when I pull up to the dealership that I bought my car, they know that I'm there. They, they know that I'm heading there for my scheduled appointment and what time I'm actually going to be there. And they can greet me when I get out of my car uh, and kind of plan out that experience. And, you know, that, that's, that's, th- those are things that we haven't been able to do before. And I think we're just starting to scratch that surface. Yeah. And really, I think that we'll just this, this whole mobile shift, the thing that's made it clear is there's just a new currency and it's time and all the different features that come along with convenience. And so that's really where Elvis is evolving and, and how can innovations be taking place that's giving people time back. And so, uh, and it's really interesting. I had this, a similar conversation with a, uh, a mobile first banking company, Bank Mobile, and they're talking about using their big data to make, uh, you know, like shopping easier from, uh, from your home and groceries and notifying the bank. And so I think that uh, with the Internet of Things and, and the connected car, the connected home, the connected experience, we're going to start to see a lot of these things. So it's really exciting to hear uh, the different ideas that are coming from your guys's lab. And, and I'm also curious, I think this is a great segue into over the last couple of years that you've been there, what are some of the biggest changes that you've experienced that have really opened up the way you think about it? The auto industry is, is changing very fast for such a slow moving industry, right? Every, everybody is, is getting into connectivity. Everyone is, is, everyone's getting into it with a, uh, kind of consumer offering of, of Wi-Fi. And that, that's, that's been a big thing for us as well. But that's really just so people get excited about it. The real reason that that's going into the car is for things like this, to be able to stream that data and do something with it. So uh, when, we, when we started doing this, no one was, was doing streaming telematics at the consumer level. There have been some people in, in the fleet space doing it for a while, uh, but it's pretty much not until the end of, the, of a trip and then you get everything played back. We're, everyone's moving into real-time data. And there is this kind of growing consumer demand for applications for their car. And last week, I, I was uh, at the hardware store talking to this guy help, helping me totally unrelated to this. And he, unprovoked by me, started telling me he just bought a new car. I hadn't even told him what I do. Uh, <laughs> and he said, oh, yeah, I just got this Kia. They said it came with apps, but I can't get any apps for my car. 
I was thinking like, man, this is so strange. Like, I don't, I don't think that that was a conversation I would have had three years ago, four years ago, five years ago, but that's coming. And so the shift towards that is, is happening, like I said, much, much faster than I think anyone would expect because there are larger non-traditionally automotive companies moving into this space. So you're seeing, uh, you're seeing Apple with their um, infotainment system. Uh, you've got Google doing, doing theirs as well. And everyone kind of speculates that one of these companies is going to build a car and it's going to change everything. I think that's scaring traditional automakers into trying to move faster to stay relevant. Uh, so there, there's, there's really healthy competition in, in the industry um, that I think the, the consumer will end up being the winner of. So what are you anticipating next for mobile and automotive? Yeah, so we've already started seeing some pretty radical changes, um, not least of which from Tesla, right? Everybody knows that Tesla is the coolest car on the road, and they're, they're like the, the ones really pushing the industry in driver experience. I have been around a few Teslas in the last few years, and it's amazing. It's the coolest thing to ride in. And they're really the only ones taking that um, new approach from technology into the car to where you're starting to get these like mobile phone capabilities for your car, for controlling your car, right? And so one of the coolest things is opening the Tesla app and summoning your car and it drives without anyone in it and you can get in. Like That's super cool. Yeah. And there are other uh, manufacturers starting to do this sort of thing. I know BMW is, is doing some similar things and starting to, to make that focus on connecting people to their cars in ways that they feel comfortable connecting to other things. And so it's, it's really early stages of that. And as with anything that th that's that new, you're going to see some, some challenges come up. I think this last year, there were a handful of, of stories of people hacking these new connected cars while they're driving down the road and taking over. And I think that that's a really bad thing for the person driving right then, uh, but a really good thing for the industry. And in that before it really catches on, we're kind of smoke testing this thing, right? We're, we're seeing uh, where the vulnerabilities are uh, and building that, hopefully building security measures into this new frontier for automotive, building those things in early instead of uh, you've got a bunch of cars on the road and there's some kind of, some kind of cyber attack on that, right? So I, I think that you're, you're going to see people starting to regulate this new connectivity in the car in the same ways that they have regulated older actual like physical pieces of making the car that make it so safe and so reliable. So that's going to have to be going on behind the scenes before the consumer really gets a lot of the stuff. But that, that's, that's going to be the way that, that things go, no, no doubt about it. I think we're also going to be seeing more and more of connection to your car from outside sources. So I, I mean that from a data sense. 
uh, like we were talking about earlier with smart city initiatives. The, the best way to collect a lot of data is things moving around. And you've seen that with the introdu- introduction of the phone with foot traffic and uh, you know, things like Foursquare starting to map out insides of stores and, and, and all of that. You're going to see that with the car, with not just location, but uh, actual driving behavior and vehicle performance. So I think that's going to be a, a big thing that comes out, uh, as well as transparency in from what's coming from the automaker. You know, Volkswagen obviously struggled with that a bit uh, last year, and there was a, a huge issue that has now surfaced because of some of these new kinds of technology. Uh, and the market demanded that they make it right. You know, the average person, for better or worse, wants to know everything about what's going on. Uh, and so with that mentality of the consumer, you're, you're going to see the market shifting towards open data, open, uh, anonymized information from different year make models. And I think it's going to change the way that people uh, consider purchasing cars when they can look at a manufacturer and see that the history of their performance of their cars as the car reports them, not the white paper that comes out by some consulting company, uh, you're, you're, you're going to see people have to step their game up. Manufacturers have to step their game up uh, and, and provide better products that people trust that are moving faster than they have before. Yeah, I can see, um, you know, our conversation before this, how you stay up late at night and think about and don't sleep with all these, with all these different ideas, because you're right. I mean, you can disrupt several industries really with, with this data and just because being a mobile user, it's now being mobile, it's integrated with all different facets of life. Uh, so it's, it's really cool to, to hear your, your insight into how you can apply this information. And so, uh, Daniel, I have some rapid fire questions here for you. You ready for some rapid fire questions? Let's do it. All right. So, uh, what's your definition of innovation? Okay. I would say definition of innovation is doing significant things that, that no one thinks they need. And so being that, you know, you're, you, you come from a lab where you can actually, and we talked about this earlier, where you can try things out and check the data and then uh, really build, measure, learn, and go through the cycle several times being part of a platform, you know, would you put more emphasis on the idea or the execution of that idea? And then how would you weight each with a percentage and why? So I'm, I'm going to uh, default to the poet W.H. Auden here, who has the line, act from thought should quickly follow. So I, I think, yeah, ideas are great and great ideas are even better, but you're not going to know if it's a great idea until you try to do it. And so I think the best way to do these things is to just try it and try it the best way that you can and then go back and ask if it was a good idea or not. So if you were to put a percentage to that, what would you say? <laughs> I'm going to say... 40, 60, 40% idea, 60% execution. Okay. And so in your journey so far and going from uh, what you're, I guess you still play in a band, you know, and, and being uh, an artist and creative and going through design to experience now, what has been your biggest learning lesson in your journey so far? Uh, so I'm, I'm going to answer this one by talking about the last one. The first idea is probably not the best one. <laughs> okay. Uh, that, I think that's, that's my, my lesson uh, is that 
if you think you have a great idea, there's probably a better one. And to just keep keep working on it and don't be afraid of failing and don't be afraid of when you failed trying again. How about what's been your favorite business book so far? I really liked the book, The Hard Thing About Hard Things uh, by Ben Horowitz. Really, really interesting book. Kind of kind of ties in my, my love of early internet history and like how difficult it is to try something new. Mm-hmm. How about what's your favorite digital resource that you like to tap into? I love reading A List Apart. Great resource for all kinds of technical writing and product writing. A List Apart? Is that like a blog or a... It is a blog, yeah. Okay, okay. You just find it on online? Yep, A... L-I-S-T-A-P-A-R-T dot com. Cool. Yeah, to check that out. And I'll link to it in the show notes too for everyone to check it out. And then lastly, what's your favorite mobile app and why? I'm not much of a gamer uh, myself, but I love this iOS game called Two Dots. Uh, it is such a fun game. I pretty much just play it on airport, uh, on airplanes. But the thing that I really, really like about it is they started with just like five or 10 levels and a very simple concept of a game. And every couple of weeks they introduce new levels and new things, but it stayed consistently a great game with great animations and interactions. And they've tried things and taken those features out. And now I'm on level like 800 something now. Wow. <laughs> uh, Congratulations. And yeah. And I'm, I'm way far behind now. I think they've probably got over a thousand levels now, but it's, it is a great sticky product. Yeah, to check that out. And so what's the coolest thing that you're working on in Vimy that you want everyone to check out? So I'm really excited about two things that we're doing uh, right now. One that is just days away from coming out is our connected service shop launch. So we, we've been working with Meineke to change the way that people get their cars serviced. So this is kind of a demystifying of the check engine light and strange noises you may hear in your car as you're driving and a streamlining of booking service appointments, feeling like knowing that you're not getting ripped off because you have the information and you can keep the shop in check and really just changing a largely unchanged industry. Uh, so I'm really excited about that. Meineke's been, been a great partner uh, in, in working on that. And I'm also really excited about our connected dealership program that we're also working on uh, that is, is overall just a, a shift in the way that car dealerships manage their inventory and customers buy and own cars. Um, we're, we're looking to make some some pretty radical shifts in, in both of those things over, over the next six months. And so I'm really excited about that. Nice. Well, yeah, I'm definitely excited to keep up to date and uh, keep tabs on you and see where uh, your, your guys' initiatives go. And so I'll make sure to connect to all of that in the show notes. But then uh, to check this out and follow Vinly, check out vin.li. That's V-I-N dot L-I. Thanks so much for spending some time with us today. It was, it was awesome to have you on and to, to get some more insight into what's happening in the automotive industry. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Join us next week for a conversation with Josh Behar. 
Junior Director of Marketing for the brand, Ike Behar. We discuss how Josh grew up in a generational business with his family, a business that his grandfather started way before his time. We take a closer look at how Josh is bringing digital to the brand, and he explains step-by-step how he started with a minimal budget to validate an incremental investment into digital for the brand to eventually justify a digital focus and a digital shift. And I'm always happy to be a resource in any way that I can. So visit EmergeMobileFirst.com to reach out to me directly or for additional insights, resources, and bonus tools that can help catapult your organization to the next level. Until next time, think mobile first.